We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. We are all here today. Just want to remind everyone that we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash veteransminimum, where we'll be uploading our pretenders and contenders this week for as little as three dollars you can get that exclusive uh episode um but yeah everyone's here nick is joining us via facetime yeah i'm here i'm putting on a shirt quick because joey saw me without a shirt and he he muted me and turned the camera off <laughs> scary sight. no scary i just sight. I, I minimized it. the giant boner i had from the jets game this weekend gone soft yeah there it goes that hairy greek body oh yeah Shit is real. What, what are you, 30 40 seconds in no yay yay I don't. Thank God. I only do yay yays on on Bro. Thursdays. Whatever. But yay yay, yay. It's Thursday. Yay yay! Right, Woo! I'm right. back, baby. I had the worst weekend of my fucking life. No joke. Oh Jeez. yeah, you were in the woods, right? What I was in hell? the woods and like the kids, dude. I, they've only had 16 days of school. They don't even know each other. They don't know me. Oh. And they, and they fucking threw. Wait, us. why do they not know each other? What grade is this? Six. It's only six. Oh, they're it's entering 16, the school. Yeah, they're entering the school. It's only oh. 16 days in. Oh, middle school. They threw us in the middle of the woods with no electricity. None, <laughs> fucking just just cots, eight cots per room. That's fire. That is fire. Not Get so to know not each fire. other. Wait, so who goes fire. on a field trip that soon into fucking school? Man, my school does a lot of things well. They they dropped the ball on this one. Yeah, that, that's weird. That's weird. Uh, so you didn't get to catch the McGregor could be fight, I guess. I caught it on uh, IG Live. That was. Uh, doing a camera of a TV playing the, the no, fight. Mad people do that just for like <laughs> views. That's so weird. That's how I caught it though. That's how I caught the whole thing. That's, yeah, I've seen, I've done that before. You watched the whole fight doing? Yeah, that? almost the, almost the whole fight. Legit, someone just props their phone up and I on, definitely on caught the, the end. I definitely caught the end. Well, yeah, the end. I feel like we should talk about that. So, right. I mean, before we get to the other fights, let's just talk about this. I mean, first of all, we'll we'll get to what happened after the fight. During the fight. Khabib absolutely mauled 
Yeah. Conor, it was never at any point Conor McGregor's day. No. He got the shit kicked Bro, out. Bro, and he hit him with an overhand right. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. I and was I, was, I was saying, too, I, as I'm watching the fight, I'm looking at Khabib. And, and in the first, I believe it was the first two rounds, where he did exactly what we thought he would do. Put his weight on him, you know, you know, tire him out a little bit and wrestle him a little bit and, like, whatever. He tried to get a submission, I guess. But then I think that he was trying to leave no doubt by just standing in front of him. Yo, Yo he wasn't even moving his feet. Nah. He's like, I'm just going to stand here. Yeah, I was yeah, I was like feeling good about the fight through two rounds. And it was like the second half of round three where he's like legit standing there toe to toe. And I'm just like, yo, what is he doing? What is he doing? What's yeah, he was leaving no doubt. He didn't want anyone to be like, oh, you, you, the way you fight is corny and like you only wrestle or whatever. He just stood there and he fucking knocked Connor on his ass. Yeah, and then when he had the knockdown too and he charged him, I'm like, yo, fuck, he's going to like, like he's going to lose it going for the knockout. Like Connor's just going to swing and knock yeah. his ass out. But it. Nah, it didn't happen that way. He stayed composed even though he missed his flying knee. Yeah. Which was a little wild. <laughs> yeah. A little foreshadowing of what was going to come. Crazy. It, it was complete domination from, yeah. the, from the very beginning. You know, it, it seemed like it seemed like Connor got a little bit too far ahead of himself in this one. Like, two two years since he fought in an MMA fight, right? Yeah. You're facing a guy who's undefeated. You're talking shit about his family and his father and shit. And, yo, that, they take that shit seriously out there in those Russian places, like yeah. the USSR block Dagestan yeah all those places they take that shit very seriously that's Shout all they religion have. he talks about his religion yeah. yeah how his father's like a traitor how he worships like a, a guy that no one likes like if you're Russia. if you're Connor your your number one ability is to get in people's heads right you gotta understand like that's not the way talking as much human shit as humanly possible is not the way to get in everyone's head I don't know this this just looks like someone's a better fighter yeah. Clearly, someone's a better fighter. And like you could say that, yo, he's just a better wrestler than him, but it's like it didn't go down that way. Like he stood there Bro, and he was thrown was at on him. display. Grappling or you know when he like yeah. stacked his legs with, with his own like he yeah, squeezed yeah. his legs, he couldn't get up. Even with his back on the cage, it was like when someone usually gets up, like, yo, get your back to the cage and then get yourself up. Yeah. Nah, it wasn't happening. He had his legs tied up and he couldn't get up. You could tell that he was not afraid of connor at all like nah. usually in those moments you can see like especially with eddie alvarez the moment gets to some of these fighters and you see they look a little like shaky in the beginning and they're like a little more like you know they're fainting a lot and they're like you know what i'm saying they're just on edge khabib just looked like i'm going to murder this guy yeah <laughs> khabib let him come to him too early like he didn't force anything he was like very a composed fight yeah for khabib yo he he thought he like Khabib put on a clinic, man. It, and the shit that no, I've never seen anyone do that thing where Khabib like wraps the person's legs underneath them. Yeah, it's impossible it's to a, get up. It looks like he puts like a sleeper hold on the person's legs and it's a wrap. Yeah. Like, yo, I really think at one point in the second round when he was just like that last minute where he just went off and he was just beating the shit out of Connor. I think that if it was anyone else other than McGregor, they probably call that fight. But since it was McGregor, they gave him the benefit of the doubt to at least like, you know, he was still defending himself. But you knew that like the lights were on, but no one was home. That's what that's what I took it as. Yeah, they, that I said the same exact thing when that was happening. Like he had him on the ground and he was, you know, ground and pound. He was hitting him in the face too. Like his Connor's hands were up, but he was still getting tagged. So any other fight, any other fighter, they they call that. But because, you know, they know everyone's watching, the world yeah. wants to see this there fight was, a little longer. That fight wasn't stopping unless someone was unconscious or tapping. Yeah. Unless his arms came down, they're like, nah, you're there, you're going to stay there. I saw a clip today of that exact moment. 
And you just like hear Khabib. He's like writing down. He's like, let's talk now. Let's talk now. Yeah, because I, yeah. I, I remember that too. He was saying, he was talking his shit yeah. during the fight. I was like, He always what? does. And I was like, and I, 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 was at a, I was out watching it out at a bar, so I didn't really like hear anything. But that's his thing. Like, obviously, everyone knows it's like talking to guys like while he's fighting. Like, yo, you got to give up. You got to give up. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to do this. I, I, <laughs> I need this belt. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, scary. And he was. He was talking to Connor too. And Joe Rogan pointed it out yeah. too during the fight. He's just like, oh, he's talking to him, but I can't make out what he's saying. I mean, that's, it's all fine and dandy what happened during the fight. Let's mm-hmm. talk about what happened after the fight, guys. Yeah, so I mean, just well, for- ho- ho- before before we get to that though, like you guys, there was one thing that really upset me. Uh, it looked like Khabib spit on Connor when he got up. When Did you guys catch that? Nah. When uh, the moment the moment that that Herb Dean comes over, I think it was Herb Dean was was yeah, doing yeah, the main was. event when he breaks it up and like Khabib is standing over him. Oh, at the end like of the fight. Yeah, it looks like he spits on Connor like. Dog, let's not forget, Connor got him a big-ass payday, too. Nah, c- come on, get out of here. Wait, I also don't think he spit at him. I think he was just talking uh, shit, yeah. like, violently. I, 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 heard, I heard from people with blue checks on Twitter. And, Joe, you know how I feel about the blue check on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> they said that, that they saw spit come out of his mouth, like, an actual, like, loogie coming out. But, yo, I mean, yo, at the end of the day, McGregor's not going to sit on the floor of a Someone ring, spit get on spit on, and not do a thing. Like, I think he was just yelling at him and maybe some stuff came out of his mouth. But if he, like, actually went to spit at him, I don't think that he just sits there and takes that. Like, no way. Mm-hmm. Because, especially right. because of what happened after the fight. So, the fight happens. Uh, Khabib submits him. Uh, I think it was a, uh, what was it? It was like a neck crank. It was an Alvin Kamara. It was, a weird, it was like a rear naked no, he was going neck for, crank. He was going for the Alvin Kamara. But, no, he was. Yeah, uh, he did at one point. I know, I know. But then, yeah, he got him on, like, a neck crank and made him tap. But. Then he like threw his uh, Khabib threw his uh, mouthpiece against the fence towards Connor's corner, and then he jumped over the fence because I guess he was getting. I mean, they were yelling at each other, so he jumped over the fence and went after uh, that dude who spars with him. What's his name? Dylan Dennis. Dylan Dennis. Dennis. He jumped feet first, like fucking the Karate Kid, <laughs> at this dude, and then a riot just broke out. Two other dudes from Connor uh, from Khabib's. Uh, camp jumped into the ring and started punching Connor and like from behind and like sucker punching him. It was fucking, it was mayhem, dude. I would be so scared if I was there. I'm like, yo, this is about to go down right now. Yeah. Which it did. It spilled out into the streets. There were people in the, the stadium and like the concourse, like people getting knocked out, people on the strip getting knocked out. Like everyone was just going ape shit. <laughs> like it was crazy, bro. There was a guy in the Joe Rogan podcast. I was watching it. Um, I forget who it was, but former MMA fighter who's now a comedian. Brandon Schaub. Brandon Schaub, yeah. And he and he was just like, yo, there's no way I'm going to this game. Like the, the yeah. Russians and the Irish, bro, they take their, their yeah. cultures very seriously. They take their drinking very seriously, so it, you know it's going to be out of hand. Yeah, and, and these guys are straight, straight up not even talking about each other anymore. One of them is talking about Irishmen and one of them is talking about Russians. And when you have a bunch of those guys... That has, is a recipe for disaster. He's like, I would never, I would never go to this game. I mean, yeah, this fight. And Joe Rogan's like, Yeah, you really think something's gonna happen? <laughs> was he really? Yeah, yeah, lo and behold, sure enough, here it is. Yeah, yeah, that shit was crazy, man. Yeah, supposedly I was. I mean, I was looking at it after the fight. Joe Rogan had said, Dennis was saying like some insulting shit to him from the corner, like during the fight. So I guess Habib definitely heard that. Yeah. And like even all the buildup, like just from Connor talking all the shit he did, you yeah. know these guys are human. And bro, when you, I think I, I personally, I pin everything on Dana White. When you promote a fight with violence, 
Like chaos is bound to ensue. I mean, because, bro, it's the M. It's fucking UFC. It's violence. No, I'm talking about the bus accident. No, I know, but like, like that was how legit could you not? criminal activity. I agree. Like that didn't need to be part of the video package. Everyone knew that. Yeah, but I also don't think that's the reason why he jumped over the cage. I think there was just some, you know, crazy animosity, and McGregor got away with it for too long, and eventually someone's gonna slap you back. That's what I'm saying. That was another thing. During the fight, he slapped Connor. He did like right? he was disrespected. Yeah, he slapped him. And then he showed his hand. He slapped his shit. Yo, it was crazy. It was a disrespectful ass fight. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm he sure, embarrassed him, bro. I'm sure he slapped. I'm sure he spit on him, too. I'm sure know. of it. Yo, it's crazy. Either, that's where you're drawing the line? What? Spitting? No, but yo, I'm saying, like, after the fight is over, the fight's over. Like, if you get spit on, you get up and you defend yourself. Like, someone jumped into the ring and came at him. And it wasn't like Connor was like, hey, please stop. He threw a fucking punch at him, you know? Like, he's going to defend himself. So after the fight is over... You're not gonna spit on me. Speaking about throwing punches, did you guys see Connor's head get knocked back and forth by those fucking big Russians that came to attack? Did him? you see yeah. before that though, when when this stuff was going on outside, that this guy Abu Bakar, yeah, Khabib's cousin, who fights in PFL, he's fighting in like two weeks in the playoffs for like the million dollars. He climbs the cage like simultaneously next to Connor, and Connor just like <laughs> it's like they're on the top of the cage, and Connor just wails on him. Yeah. And like he has a big ass black eye he posted on Instagram like yo he suckered me and they both get back down and that's when the other guy jumped in the cage and they started beating on Connor. Yeah. So it was it was crazy. It was a nice little uh nice little scrap, nice little scrum. Yeah, I definitely don't fault Khabib. I personally don't fault Khabib for I, for I, any of the activity like that transpired after the fight. It was I mean it's it's kind of classless though like jumping over the cage. I feel like that's a little too crazy. I just think, like, yo, at the end of the day, you're a human being. If someone were to shit on my father the way they did leading up to it, where you kept it composed the whole time leading up to the fight, you didn't lay a finger on him, you didn't say anything. And and it's whack, too, because at these press conferences when Connor's talking all this shit, Khabib doesn't know English that well or well enough to respond fastly. So every time he's talking, like, say something, like, Connor don't let him speak. And he can't. Like, he's soft-spoken, so... He finally got his chance to lay it all out, and he took it out on everyone in his way. I feel him on that. I just, like, for me, you gave the people a reason to be Connor fans again because now he looks like the victim in this situation. Interesting. Like, if you were, if you're uh, Khabib and you just win that fight, the only thing we're talking about is how, how much better you are than Connor McGregor. And you just exposed him completely. If they fight again, I have no faith that Conor wins that fight. Because he just... Yo, there was nothing. He covered all bases. Beat the shit out of him. There was nothing... At no point did Conor have a chance in that fight. And if he doesn't jump over that cage, then public perception, it's like, yo, this is the dude. Like, he kicked the shit out of our hero to the casual fan, you know? But the fact that he jumped over, now people get to do the narrative of like, yo, this guy's a yep. classless guy and like this and like that. And like Connor was just sitting there and he got jumped. And like there was a, like now you're now you make Connor the victim and you make Khabib look like the enemy when really it was the other way around. So it's like that was the only thing that sucks about it. But at the same time, like you said, I don't fault this dude. Like, bro, there was a lot of stuff that happened. And it's a high like a high adrenaline situation where you just beat this dude and you're hype and like some dude's talking shit. It's like, I'll fuck you up too, bro. Yeah. What's good? You know what I mean? Yo, I just, it, w- it was very, um, boss, don't shoot because you got angry when I told you this last time. It was your classic double turn, right? <laughs> Connor, Connor came in. He was the heel. And then... 
Khabib wins, and then he became he became the heel. He became the villain, and everyone is like the the baby face in this situation is McGregor because Khabib ends up like just putting a I wouldn't say an asterisk, but it's like a black eye over a night that should have been like Khabib's night. Dana didn't even put the belt on him. Yeah. And I know, boss, you feel you feel like you were super passionate about that. Yeah, because when you're the champion, you should. But like afterward, I felt like it was kind of the right move. Like there's lawsuits that could have been faced. There's probably his safety becomes on the line. But I don't think that was WWE at all. That's why I did. you said, "Yo, you came out to like, yo, it's straight WWE." I was like, "That's real life shit." Like Connor, and I don't, I don't agree with you either, Joe. How you said Connor's like the innocent, or every, or they think. No, I'm saying that's how people are gonna perceive him to be because he was the one who got jumped, and he didn't jump over the cage. Like he was right, humble right. in defeat, but or like a, whatever. You gotta look back all the way back to the history. Like this dude was legit facing criminal charges in New York. Bro, for I attacking. understand that, but I'm not. I'm not, not saying only Khabib, me. But not only Khabib, but like you know, putting the lives of others in harm's way. Yeah, he affected Rose and fucking yeah. Kiesa and shit. But I'm saying the public perception. If you just watch the big fights, which are just the Conor fights, basically, and whatever John Jones fights or whatever, that's all you see. So you see him winning, you see whatever, blah, blah, blah. Dude, you saw it on Twitter. Everyone was going after Khabib like it was the worst thing anyone's ever seen in the world. And this is a classic asshole, a classless asshole and all shit. The public perception changed and, and you gave people a reason to run back to Conor. But it's not even going to matter because after the next fight, he's still going to get his ass whooped and then there's going to be nothing. Trash. He said, Dana said he already called him and asked for a rematch. Bro, I don't want to see that fight again. No, he's going to, yo, he's going to whoop his ass, bro. You don't want to see that fight again? Nah. I saw enough of that fight. That fight was. There was nothing yeah, to like. like th- there's nothing that gets you excited about a rematch because of how dominant Khabib was. That and like, what's Connor going to say now? What's he going to say? Is he going to be humble? No. What's he going to say? He's going to bring up all the shit. He's going to attack his manager again. If you're Dana White, verbally. what do you do? What do you do with them? Like, what do you do with them? Yeah. I think it's up to the commission. That's why it's such a big deal. Yeah. Like it, ha- it was sanctioned by the athletic commission. So it's like it's not in Dana White's really jurisdiction. Like if they say, yo, Khabib can't find Vegas anymore because the Nevada State Athletic Commission said so, then he can't find Vegas anymore. He was talking about green cards as well. Yeah, it's visas. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Bisping brought that up too. He's like, as someone who is has a green card, like it's very hard to get one and to keep one, and something like this, like yeah, because it's all you san- never know. It was all sanctioned stuff. So I mean, it was an awesome night. Uh, also, the fight of the night, in my opinion, uh, Tony Ferguson Anthony Pettis was a bloodbath. Yeah, it was a barn burn. It was it was awesome. That was one of the fights where you after that fight, I was like, "There's no way this next fight can like nah follow this now." It didn't. It it didn't. Obviously, it didn't. It was a it was a pure domination. But Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis was fucking awesome. That was a good scrap. And they were covered, both covered in blood. Fucking what's his name? Pettis like <laughs> he looked like a wolf. Yeah, he did like a howl or some shit in the did middle he? of pounding yeah. it. Yo, and Pettis dropped him and like. That's the most like Tony Ferguson way to like get dropped and try and recover. He like did like a front flip or some like, shit. Yo, what are you doing? Like he rolled, like put his legs up for guard. I was like, what and there was also this? that one exchange where Anthony Pettis like tried to throw like a like a heel kick or something like that, like a spinning heel kick, and he like ducked out of the way, and then he tried to like jump and kick. I was like, what is going on right now? I saw him try the Showtime kick off the cage at one point. Uh, Ferguson. Ferguson yeah. tried the the Superman punch off the cage a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, those guys, man. I, I gotta say though, I think like it, it's nice to see the road that Pettis took to get back to where he is right now because he held his own. And 
Boss, how were you scoring that fight going into the third if they didn't call a stoppage? Did you think it was split? Yeah, it was probably 1-1. Damn, man. I feel like it would have been dope to not have Pettis break his arm because his corner, like his corner chimed in and was like, yo, you can't continue. Yeah. So, I mean, for people who don't know, the, the fight ended because uh, Pettis broke his hand. And they came over like, "Yo, are you good?" And he just the corner like threw in the towel. He's yeah, like, I'm not letting my guy go out there. With yeah, a he had hand. a broken hand. So, and Pettis didn't seem to have any gripes about it. He was just like, uh. "You know what's crazy? You shouldn't have a gripe about this fight because because that fight was so good, you're you're gonna get that shot again. Like, no one's yeah, not yeah. gonna put you in a fight now because the last time we saw you, you put on a show like that. Like, we want to see that again. Yeah, but Pettis, like at this point, I feel like he's just gonna be a gatekeeper now. Like, I feel mean? like he could never win the top fight. Like he's not gonna have a title shot ever again. I, I wouldn't say never again. I don't know. He came into this fight at like eighth rank. Was he ranked eighth? I don't know. Like Ferg was. This was like Ferg's fight to get back in. And like to be honest, though, nobody saw this fight to be this challenging. For yeah, Ferguson, no. it was like a, a warm up to get back in the title picture. I think it was like minus three hundred or something. Four hundred. Four hundred. Well, yeah. So. I mean, Pettis held it down. Hell yeah, he did. You know, he put on a ridiculous scrap. Yeah. Man. So why wouldn't you want to see that again? Like that scrap? Yeah. I mean, I would. Ferg don't want to see it again. Ferg wants a title shot now. No, I hear you. Yeah, he, w- he wants to go on to Khabib, but at Dana, like, he's so hesitant to book that fight again because it's been scrapped every time. Yeah, four times. Let's see if Khabib's even available. Maybe that they were talking about the that title getting vacated. Yo, Khabib Tony Ferguson would be a good fight. Yo, you know what's whack, though? You know how I, f- I know Tony Ferguson? I think he's the best light lightweight in the world. Tony? Yeah, I think so. But I, I like, kind of lost respect for him. I mean, I know everything is about money. But after his fight, he straight called out Connor and not Khabib. Yeah. Like, that's soft. Well, they hadn't fought yet, right? No, they Neither were fighting right have. after. They, yeah, they had fought right So after. he's calling out the current champion. No, he's no, not. Khabib was Khabib's the champion. current oh, yeah. champion. That's, that's true, that's true. But he's calling out a champion. It's not like he's not calling out anyone. I think he's just calling out he the money. He wants the purse. Yeah, yeah he yeah. wants the purse. Yeah. How about Derek Lewis's post-fight interview? Yo. How about Derek Lewis's fight? Bro, and his, first of all, his post-fight interview was probably the highlight of the. What night. we said that last week though? What the fuck is that? Yeah, that he's the best. What was that? That was the fight. That oh, was the interview. All right, you can warn us before you put. I thought I thought some shit was going oh, down. Oh man. my bad. <laughs> no, I'm but not used to doing that. So I, I, you know, Derek Lewis. His balls was hot. His ball. My balls was hot. Yeah, uh, he got half a million followers on uh, Instagram from that. Really? Yeah, 500K yeah, yeah. and like 30K on Twitter. Some ridiculous number on Twitter. <laughs> I feel like... You know, also, Joe Rogan put him over, too. He's like, dude, you're the best Instagram follow, too. So, And hearing that from Joe Rogan, people just went over there. That's so lit. It was so funny, too, because he was like, yo, I'm going to come on your show and we'll smoke some weed together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yo, what do you think about a title fight? Man, fuck a title fight. You see this cardio? And he's, he's like, I get my fat ass some cardio. I, I ain't thinking about doing shit. We're going to sit down and get my ass back in shape. But maybe I'll come on your podcast a week or two, smoke some weed. And then I was watching his uh, like his post-fight interview like in the back. The guy's like, yo, you know what? Uh, you can go smoke weed whenever you want as soon as your uh, post-fight drug test is done. He's like, for real? He's like, yeah. He's like, damn, I we could get this done in like a week then. Joe Rogan shit. Fun. But yeah, that fight was cool because Derek Lewis knocked him the fuck out. Hype overhand right, overhand right, and then just an absolute flush. Sca- Yo, that dude, and this is exactly what we said when we when we were talking about this, like previewing this, is saying that like we're iffy about Derek Lewis because he has a lot of like back injuries and he isn't the most in shape person ever. Like he doesn't have a lot of stamina. He doesn't go the distance or whatever. We saw he was tired, but also he was saving up for that punch. 
you could tell. And well, he th- always has that one shot. He too. always he's he's that guy. Like yo, at any point it doesn't matter yeah. if this dude hits you. Like it's a wrap. And we saw that he probably would have lost that fight. Yeah, it's funny too because like leading up to the fight and in his interviews too, I was watching him. He's like, yo, honestly, he's like, I heard everything everyone said about the Nuganu fight. He's like, I agree with you. He's like, but I lo- if I lose, uh, he goes, I'm leaving it all out in round one. If it goes after that, I'm blaming you guys. He's like, because he's like, you guys want to see action? I'm going to throw hands in round one. He's like, but after that, I can't promise much. I'll probably be shot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he wound up winning, though, in round three. Yeah, it was it's great. Crazy, right before the bell. Um, yo, what's funny was right before that knockout, I told my friend, I was like, yo, I'm going to go to the bathroom. This fight's going to go to decision. And, like, that took two steps, and then he dropped them, and the place went bananas. Yeah, that yo, was nuts. Black beast. Black beast, man. Uh, also, I mean, we got to get we gotta get into the, the recap week five in the NFL, but the last thing I want to say is uh, Dominic Reyes. Nice. What? I missed that fight. You missed it? I was watching the Yankee game. Damn. I mean, OSP has kind of passed it. So Did I you knock him out? Yeah. OSP is so chinny, though. Oh, no, no, no. It was a, it was a decision. Well, he, I went to a decision. Yeah. yeah no. Word. He dropped him at the end of the round. Yeah. Like, I thought it was like, over, honestly, yeah, because people, people were just did. walking around, but he dropped the shit out of him, and I was like, oh, wait, did he knock him out? So that's why I got confused. At the bell? Basically, yeah. Word. Nah, because I remember OSP's last fight, like Tyson, he beat Tyson Pedro. Knocked but, him, right? Yeah, but Tyson Pedro knocked him down in like a minute into the fight. Yeah. And like started pounding on him, but then OSP had a nice comeback win. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, that was a cool card. We're gonna see what happens in the future with the UFC. Uh but let's get to the NFL here. We got a recap of week four. Uh or five rather. Um anyway, let's talk about the first game on the slate here. Patriots Colts. Patriots ran away with this one, thirty eight to twenty four. Had this as a high uh, fucking Thursday night game. Confidence pick, yeah, Thursday night game. Um, I had it as my number one overall pick. The only problem is I only got 16 points this week because same shit happened with Nick. I pressed submit, everything was fine, and then I went to check on Sunday and it didn't go through. Oh wow, super whack. Damn, you're tight. I think it was because I was yeah. in the woods and I, when I pressed submit and it just didn't go through. I'm tight though. I'm really tight. I think that's the only game oh, I picked like three or four games right this week. Horrible week. Yeah, two of them were on the fucking show though. Nah, I'm on two right now. Oh, you are? Yeah. Um Oh damn. Oh, I might have a good week. We didn't even talk about this game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, never mind. Uh no, there, there's not much to talk about. I mean, so Sony Michelle and James White together is it's like it's another backfield that you could probably start both of those guys on your fantasy teams going forward. Yeah. And and um because, like, James White plays a lot of, like, slot for them, too. And, and they got Edelman back. They worked him in. Very Patriot-like where the first pass of the game goes to Edelman. And then Josh Gordon provided a deep threat for them down the field that they haven't had in a really long time. And, you know, he made a play on that touchdown. I, I believe it was the 500th touchdown pass of Brady's career. And it was like, yo, not a lot of guys on New England can make that play besides him. So it was nice to... uh Nice to see that for Brady, another weapon. Yeah, you never see Bailey, uh, Bra- Bailey, Brady getting bailed out like that. But Gordon went up and got one on two guys on a pass that he kind of just like flailed up there to him. You know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people do is they this kind of is the Patriots' way. Um, just in general, as I look up the name of the Patriots' offensive line coach because I want to, I want to name him in a second. Uh, he is Dan- Dante Scarnecki is is you know lauded as one of the top offensive line coaches in the in the league 
And I think one of the biggest things that's happening with the Patriots, their offensive line is getting better and better each week. And because of that, the offense is getting better and better each week. On that play where Josh Gordon got hit by Tom Brady, Tom Brady was just standing there for five, six, seven seconds. No one even came close to touching him. With Edelman coming back and those quick strikes again, you're going to see the pressure on Brady start to vanish. And when the pressure on Brady starts to vanish, so do the team's chances that are playing Tom Brady. And that's what happened with the Colts. The Colts' defense uh, were playing really well, and they don't have a lot of guys who are big names, but they were getting pressure on the quarterback, and they could not get a, a lick of pressure on Tom Brady at all. He had all day in the pocket. On the defensive side, the Patriots did, again, their the best Patriots impression they can do. Their bend-but-don't-break mentality. And, I mean, this game really wasn't close from the beginning. It was all Patriots. All right, cool. Uh, let's get to the next game here. The Jets uh, beat up the Broncos 34-16. to Isaiah Crowell had a huge game. Yeah, and was Robbie Anderson was – that's time. a Madden stat line right there. Streaks all day. Three catches, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Robbie Anderson is the next Deshaun Jackson. I mean – when sure. when you want a big play, Robbie Anderson's the guy to go to. That guy is fast, and he's so but he's so skinny he can't make any plays over the middle at all. He's just a straight run a nine route kind of guy. But it was really good to see the Jets open up the playbook a little bit and let Donald throw. Uh, you saw him go down the field for the first time all year. Uh, he went down the field twice to Robbie Anderson, uh, a couple times to one of the, one of the his throw in the end zone to Terrell Pryor was an absolute dime, like. The Jets played very, very well against a defense that couldn't get anything going. Like, really couldn't couldn't get any pressure on Darnold. Couldn't get any. Couldn't stop the running game for nothing. They let Isaiah Crowell went over them. Even Bilal Powell had a good game. So, I mean, overall, just dominance by the by the Jets. Yeah, it was encouraging. Like to watch as a Jet fan, uh, the outside run game was working extremely easily mm-hmm. at points, and like guys like Terrell Pryor, uh, Jermaine Curse were making. Even big blocks downfield to spring those touchdown runs. I think it was like the first Jets 75-plus yard touchdown in like 10 years. So definitely the big play was, you know, out and about, especially with the Robbie Anderson looks downfield. I Like, dude, for the first couple of weeks, it was this West Coast shit, thinking dive, like, you know, get it out of his hands. I know we don't the Jets don't have the best O-line, but you got to let him drop back and throw. I don't care if he's turning the ball over. I don't care. Whatnot. It's his first year. Let him get his feet wet. Let him make some throws. Let him get in the rhythm of a game. I feel like this is the first time he truly was able to get in the rhythm of a game. And um, he made some big throws as a result. I feel like the throw pride throw was a dime right on the pylon that he was able to just, you know, catch it over his shoulder and get the two feet in a place only throw prior could make that play. If, if it was an incompletion, it was an incompletion, but it wasn't going to be a turnover. And that was just an impressive throw to the outside, to the sideline. So. Yeah, a great performance by the Jets. Leonard Williams, they were getting pressure. Granted, it's Case Keenum. I know we know how prone to turnovers he is and taking the sack, but it was just encouraging to see Leonard Williams get going, who struggled out of the gate this year in terms of sack numbers. And, uh, yeah, I, I was very satisfied with the Jets' performance. Yo, uh, Darnold only completed 10 passes. Uh, seven, seven different people caught passes. But, like, they didn't need him to throw much because they had over 300 yards rushing. And they just controlled time of possession the whole time. And, I don't know, this was one of my picks. I was very confident in the Jets because, like, it was a rough spot for Denver. They played a game down to the wire on Monday Night Football, and then they had to travel east for a 1 o'clock game. It's a, it's a spot that I usually like to target. And, I mean, their defense looked pretty bad. And 
Robbie Anderson got going too, which was something we've been waiting for all year. Uh, on the other side, if you're the Broncos, how how much are you regretting the decision to sign Case Keenum to an $18 million a year contract? Well, it's only for two years, so they could cut him after this year. But, I mean, all right, but how long until how long until this year you make a move? Because it feels like, as of right now, when they are down big in the game, they're incapable of coming back. Yeah, they – I mean – it's one of those – it's a similar situation to what happened when Matt Flynn signed with the Seahawks where Russell Wilson came in and lit it up. But, like, it got to a point where even though they gave him $12 million a year, they had to start Russell Wilson. And, like, Chad Kelly in the preseason was lighting it up too. And he's the backup right now. They got rid of Paxton Lynch, who they faced, they, they used the first-round pick on for, for Swag Kelly, Impey's boy. Uh, I think uh, why not if if it falls apart and they're like two and seven, might as well. That kid's young and see what you got. You know what you have in Case Keenum. Man, that would be a really. I think that would be a really big black eye in John Elway. I think at that point, ownership's got to consider maybe John Elway's not the guy for the job. Because you think about you think about John Elway's career, right? What has he done really well? He signed Peyton Manning. He talked him into signing with him, but he inherited that entire defense. He inherited the entire offense around around Peyton Manning, and now you fast forward five years later and you have the same exact weapons and you have the same exact weapons on both sides almost and you haven't made any adjustments. You haven't made any... All all your draft picks have missed. Almost all of them. There's got to be a point where you're like, hey, maybe John's not, John always not cut out for this. I don't know. I still feel like yeah, I'm only, you get a serviceable I mean, quarterback on the Broncos. I mean, Case Keenan went to the NFC Championship last year. No, I know, but, I, you know... I think we all weren't like, yo, this guy's an NFC championship quarterback. He just had his team was ridiculous, and he got hot. But, I mean, there was nothing for you to do, especially like, yo, where are you going to go? Like, if you walk away from Case Keenum, like, where are you going? Swag Kelly. Yeah, all right. Was he Mr. Irrelevant in the draft? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so, like, it's not like that's the answer. Like, we're hoping that's the answer, and it's like, oh, it's fun because he's the last pick of the draft, like, blah, blah, blah. But it's like... Case Keenum is the answer. Like, that's the move you got to make, honestly. Like, on a team that he's, you know, the the Vikings, he played so well that year. It's like, you have to go there. So, I don't really fault him for taking Case Keenum. It's like, you had you had no other choice. They're only two and three right now, too. So, it's not like a desperate move needs to be made, I'd say. And like Nick said, they were coming off, you know, a tough loss in the way they lost to the Chiefs on Monday night in your home stadium. And then they had to travel east on a, you know, a short week. So... I'm not ready to make the move yet. I don't yeah. know, man. If, if, if I, I wonder if Case Keenan would have got $18 million from another team had the Broncos not signed him in the second day of free agency. Like, I wonder if anyone else would have been willing to pay that. Yeah, but they didn't, gotta, have a, they didn't have a choice. They do. They had the fifth pick. Who are they getting with the fifth pick? Uh, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen were all there, both there. Lamar Jackson. Like, uh, you guys are quick to in the chat on Sunday. Not you guys say Nick. Say, oh, Saquon Barkley, oh, 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 they got to take a quarterback, oh. What about the Broncos? Broncos were in a position to take a quarterback. And they chose to go Keenum as their guy for 18 million a year and take a, a defensive end, which they already have one. Yeah, There's I guess. There's got to be a point where you guess that, second guess that too. I mean, I don't know, man. It's hard to argue that someone who has a good of a year as Case Keenum did, you're not going to sign this dude. For under twenty million, like it's not like the worst move in the world. It's not like signing fucking Jamarcus Russell. Like, 
it's not terrible. I think they also did that with the intentions of thinking that Paxton Lynch was going to be their guy. And then when they saw how bad he was in the preseason, they were just like, damn, maybe we should have took a quarterback. But it's easier to say that then. But that's another uh, that's another mark on John Elway, in my opinion, too, because if you're going into the season thinking that Paxton Lynch is your guy and what he re- really ends up being is a cut from the roster and no other team gives him a chance... What? How are you evaluating your quarterbacks? Yeah, but also it's like, do you want to take a risk on someone right now, or do we have like this team's only getting older? I mean, the weapons that they have, Emmanuel Sanders and you know Demarius Thomas too. It's like, all right, how are we going to wait until a, a rookie quarterback develops enough to where we can win a Super Bowl, or can we get this guy who was just in the championship game to just be serviceable? We have weapons, just get him the ball. You know what I'm saying? Throw screens to Demarius, let him fucking do his thing. Uh, but. I don't know. I don't think that's as bad of a move as you think. But anyway, we can talk about that forever. Let's move on. Uh, next game we have here, the Lions uh, honestly beat the shit out of the Packers. But they were up this whole game. But they won 31-23. to But they were up 24 nothing at half. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Honestly, this is, the, this is a theme of this Sunday was teams beating themselves. The Lions didn't beat the Packers. The Packers beat the Packers. And the first, the theme, that's the theme of the day. Apparently... Like, there's a super important game going on in Toon Mountain right now because Mason Crosby, Crosby got all of his powers sucked out. Yeah. And, you know, someone up there is kicking for the Toon squad. Um, A-Rod lost two fumbles in the first half. They had a turnover on special teams to set up a line score. Like, they, they really gave the game to the Lions. And once they started their comeback trail in the second half, they didn't have enough firepower on the outside with their, with their wide receivers missing to really forge that comeback. 24-0 is a large deficit. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to give props to the Lions, too. I mean, they shut them down. Aaron Rodgers was holding on to the ball forever because nothing was open downfield. I know Devontae Adams was playing probably nicked up. He was on the injury report all week with, I think, a hip. So it's tough for Aaron Rodgers when none of his guys are getting open. He's holding on to the ball longer than he wants to. They didn't really have anything on the ground game. And then ultimately, I mean, if you look down to it, what do you go one for five? So how many points did Mason Crosby leave on the board that yeah. would have covered a win if he hits, you know, if he goes perfect? And they weren't aside from the fifty-six yeah, they were, yarder. They he were missed, makeable. They were all inside forty-five yards. He so left thirteen like, points on the board. Yeah, he missed the PAT too. Like yeah, that's crazy. That's one yeah. of the best of all time, right there. Uh, yeah. I mean, of recent memory, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, I don't know. I think like my guy MVS. Valdez Scantling, he balled out seven for 68 and a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Adams went crazy. Rodgers had 442 yards. I know he, he didn't have Cobb and Allison, but like for for a rookie to step in and, you know, have be very effective out of the slot, I, I wouldn't really blame the pass rushes. I think you, you got to put this on Crosby. And I think the coolest thing was he hit his last field goal and Rodgers was the first one to greet him on the field. So it's kind of like, yo, man, you've had a rough day. And you're gonna get, you're gonna get beaten up by the media, but like, I got your back, kind of thing. Dude, I also think though that no matter what, you gotta score a touchdown in the first half, especially when you have these guys that are playing well. You right. have Jimmy Graham, you have Devontae Adams, you're, you're Aaron Rodgers. Like, you should be able to score touchdowns in the first half. All that damage was done in the second half, Nick, is what I'm saying. They, were, they had nothing going in the first half. And it's easy to put up these numbers when you're when Aaron Rodgers throws 52 times. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. If Aaron Rodgers throws it 52 times, you're going to catch it. it helps that you're the most talented quarterback in the league. Right. And that's that's a complete that was a complete comeback trail for them. So it's it's it was them kicking themselves in the foot. Aaron Rodgers two fumbles himself. Uh, Jimmy Graham did not have a good game. Jimmy Graham 
he he missed a couple of jump balls in the end zone that could have been could yeah, have been touchdowns. And he was like just looking back at Rogers, like I don't know what something's wrong there. Like there's yeah. no level. It seems like there's no level of communication. Like he's like, yo, I wasn't that ball on me. He's throwing to the pylon. It was they look all out of source. So it's 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 concerning at this point. If you're the Packers, you're two two and one. You're kind of hanging around, but not really. Like your your last few games have been pretty shitty since Aaron Rodgers hurt his knee. When's it panic time in Green Bay? Yeah, it's still early to panic for anybody, to be honest. I also think this is the healthiest that he's looked since his his knee injury from watching him. Dropping the torn ACL claim, Nick? I, I mean, I, I still think that, yeah, it might not be an ACL because like, I don't think you could move the way he was moving yesterday, but I, I still think that it's something significant. But he was off the injury report this week for the first time. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Let's get to the next game here. Uh, Giants, Panthers. Panthers hit a fucking record tying field goal to win the game, thirty three, thirty one. Did you hear the Spanish call? Nah. No. Of the, of the goal. Nah. Do yourself a favor and Google the Spanish call. Is it like a voiceover? Or is it like the legit? Nah, it's the Spanish commentary for ESPN. They do it and like, boss. You're a soccer fan. You've watched games in, in Spanish. It's like, it's so lit, dog. Bro, I have my FIFA on in Spanish. That's a, yo, yeah. I do the same thing. I go to my FIFA and I change the settings <laughs> to Spanish. I don't know what's Bro, going on. You have to. You have to. But it was dope. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, yo, I got some breaking news, guys. What? I just got word that Jay Ajay got put in the IR. Whoa. Yeah, that's big news. Huh. Yo, Nick, he's on your team, right? <laughs> he's on my team, yeah. too, in my fucking money league. Yikes, yikes, oh. yikes. Um, Odell had quite a game. Uh, can I just ask, did you guys see this interview with Josina Anderson from ESPN? Yes. I saw a clip of it, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I saw clips. I didn't see the whole thing. All right. It, it, it validated everything that I've ever said about that dude. Get him out. Get him out. Who, Odell? Yeah. Yo, how do you, how do she asked him like, yo, do you like being in New York? Like, are you happy being in New York? And he's like, five second pause. I don't know. Like, dog, we just gave you $65 million. Like you were bitching and moaning the whole season. You were going to hold out and shit. And like, you give that kind of answer. And then you're complaining that you're not seeing 20 targets a game. Well, we're not seeing 20 targets a game because we don't have a quarterback that can get you to ball that many times. That's another thing too. When he when they specifically ask, like, is there a problem at quarterback? And you're like, I don't know. It's like, dude, like he, I I was telling Tim this too before we started. Like he waited until he signed that he signed that contract to say any of this shit. But it's it is it's just unfortunate. You know that he he wants to be Antonio Brown essentially, like getting every pass catching all these passes and like whatever scoring the touchdowns doing whatever well, that's what he said he said i don't he's, he's like it's cool to take like stuff underneath 60 yards to the house but i'd rather be blowing the top off yeah he's like an eli can't make those throws he can't move like we know what eli is he's like once he's standing in the pocket yeah. and he's looking to get rid of it yeah i mean it, it's unfortunate man like you can't say that to the media like i'm i'm more comfortable with that like yo bring that up with your team in your locker room and talk about it like i don't care about that because you got to find a way to win, and you and it's 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 always next man up in, in football. So if you're not performing, someone else will step in and do it for you. But you don't say that to the media, bro. Like both those questions, yes. you know what I mean? Like they baited you and you took it immediately. But here's one thing about it: 
like Pat Shermer said, it can galvanize a locker room. It did, right? The guys kind of came together. And what else? It kind of put it forced the hand of the Giants coaching staff, which not for nothing, the Giants offense had their best game easily, easily. I mean, we finally scored 30 points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, easily the best game. They, they, they went downfield. They brought out the trick plays. Eli Manning had a couple of interceptions that looked like he was playing in high school. But in the second half, he, he balled out. He put some dimes on some people to, to bring the Giants back into the games. So, like, yes, I understand that it wasn't probably wasn't the best way to do it. But what happened and, and like, the result of it, I don't think you could be mad at Odell because what the, resu- the result that happened from it was what everyone wanted. And that's the Giants having a higher-powered offense. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I agree with you, Joey, in the sense that, like, you do want to keep that stuff inside the locker room. But at what point, like, do you, like, he's not faking it. Like, he's telling it how it is. No, he's not faking it. But also, you have to understand how you're coming across. Like, all you're sa- you're complaining that you're not getting 20 Basically. targets. That's a selfish thing. Like, you're not Basically. complaining about the team not winning. You're complaining about right. not getting your targets. Basically. Those are two different things. If you were complaining about the team not winning and there was a problem, like, whatever, like, we have to do this, we have to do that. But the whole time he's talking about, like, yo, I, I, I would like all the other top receivers are getting 20 targets and I'm not getting that and I'm getting slants and whatnot. It's like, bro, but it's not about you. Like, this is about a scheme and you, f- like, this is football. You follow the scheme and, like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I'm not a fan of his comments. I mean, I still think he's one of the best receivers in the league. And, I mean, we see it. Eight catches, 131 yards of the touchdown. And he threw a 57-yard touchdown to Saquon Barkley, which was wild. But, um, yeah, man, it's just it's, – it's, it's, it's also unfortunate because of you spent the entire summer cleaning up your image of being a diva and all this shit, and you did it. Right, you didn't hold out. You got your contract. Everyone was like, "All right, this dude's a team player now." And then you do this. It's like now you're right back to where you were, and now no one else is gonna believe you for the rest of time because you wait until you got paid to start coming out and saying all this shit again. It's like, all right, well your true colors are showing. It's about you. It's not about the Giants. That's just a fact. You're crushing it right now. <laughs> At the same time, PFF's number one rated receiver this week, so he put his money where his mouth was. Although he did have that big turnover that that. Resulted in the special teams touchdown. Yeah. What was that? that was the, and the Giants, Yo, I hate when that and happens. The Giants on produced <laughs> at a rate that they hadn't produced, and they did it by going into the playbook. So everything that he said he wanted to see, they did, and they did well. Sure. So at the same time, job mission accomplished. Yeah. Also, I mean, on the Panthers side, uh, want to give a quick shout out to Curtis Samuel. You know what I mean? Guys from Brooklyn. Boys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't even know what the hell to Punch say about in. them. But I mean, it wasn't a first us. down to McCaffrey. What'd you say? Like that play to McCaffrey on the yo, I thought that was gonna be on come on, man. Like they rushed with McCaffrey on third and one, and yo, I went back and I watched that play many times. He didn't get a first down. I disagree with and you. Then, I think he did. And then Cam, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I disagree with you. <laughs> He, yeah, I don't know. How does that not get reviewed? I mean, that's a good point. It should get reviewed, but I think that forward progress puts him at the spot, no doubt. Plus, oh. it's a 63-yard field goal, man. Hey. Yeah, but that's not the point, though. Like, if, if that's not a first down, that's fourth down, and then Cam spikes the ball. That's why I was saying, yo, game's over. 
he just spiked it on fourth down. Not even that. Even if they don't get the four, the four first down, it's like 18 seconds and running clock with fourth down to go. Like you just ran the ball in 31 with no timeouts under 30 seconds. That's pretty unconventional. And then the call, the call on Collins was pretty rough too. Like I, I get it with the new rule changes, but man, that was it's unbelievable. There's gonna be a lot of games where people are gonna be complaining the the day after when calls like legit swing the game. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on. Uh, next game we have the Bills beating the Titans thirteen to twelve. A lot of interesting stuff happened in this game. <laughs> I, I feel like games like this, you can't really like take the the Titans serious as a contender. Yeah, you can't put up twelve. I mean, this is. I feel like the Titans mo this year. It's the Titans mo every year. It's just like we're gonna kick field goals and maybe score one touchdown a game and hope our defense can hold the fourth down. Like their offense just looks so inept. Derrick Henry. Every time I'm like, yo, this dude, there's no way he can't succeed the way he's built to be a running back. And, like, he still finds ways to fail. Yeah, you also got to, like, just throw the ball at a Deion Lewis. Stop giving him the ball. If you're the Titans, though, you have this game, right? And it's sandwiched in between uh, back-to-back games at Jaguars, home against the Eagles, then you're at the Bills, and you got the, the Ravens and Chargers coming up next. Like, this could just be a letdown spot for the Titans where they take the Bills for granted. I mean, I don't know, man. They were still in the game. Like this offense, yo, a team is, is beats the Mariota, Vikings like that. You can't like is, at any point. You gotta feel like, yo, this is possible. We could lose. I mean, the Vikings lost at home. I would, I would say though, the Bills did have an average starting position of the forty yard line, the opponent's forty yard line. So that's a different kind of game. They did just get shut out. If you're the Titans, this is the this is the quintessential letdown game. But you're, this has been the Titans' mo a long time. Big win. They look great. Everyone wants to crown them, and then all of a sudden. They come and they do a stinker. Yeah. This has just been their MO. Uh, is Marcus Mariota good? I'm not a fan. I don't know if he's good or not. I don't I know if he's tell. hurt or not. Mariota? With that hand injury? Yeah, maybe. But I, I still like, yeah. I, I, I'm not a big Mariota guy. There's games like last last week against the Eagles, though, that he's just like, wow, this guy is special. Yeah, he was slinging it last week. And then there's games like this game where you're just like, wow, this guy blows. And let's and let's Well the consistency is the special part. When you're a special player, it's because you're consistent. Like everyone has flashes of greatness. They're all in the NFL. I, and they're starters. I want you to remember that when we talk about Matt Ryan later. And uh I will remember that. I can't wait to debate you on that, by the way. Oh, oh, oh it's coming. Oh, get ready. Huh? Um Yeah, look what well, well, I forgot what I was gonna say even now. I don't know. The Bills defense, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. The Bills defense. Not to be slept on. That's a good fucking unit. That's coached very well. They caused absolute mayhem on that front seven. There, there was it was a debacle. Titans could not hold them back. All right. Uh, now moving on to the game that we wanted to talk about: the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the shit out of the Falcons, forty-one to seventeen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. I go mean, ahead. go ahead. Matt Ryan continues to show that he's overrated, and it's the inconsistency of just this. You go. Everyone had this game as the biggest. Oh yeah, let's take all fantasy players on all sides. This is exactly the type of game that Matt Ryan shits the bed all the time. He puts together two pretty, pretty good home games. Everyone wants to crown him again. Listen to these numbers on at home and on the road this year. His completion percentage drops twenty points. His average uh, length of target drops four yards. His his uh, touchdowns ten to one on the road. He's at three in two games. Uh, 
His quarterback rating drops 50 points from 137 to 77. If you look at his splits in his career on grass and on turf, it's not even close. He's so much better at home. On top of that, something that I forgot to mention, I don't know how I forgot to mention, his numbers when his team is trailing in the fourth quarter are absolute shit. Um, when tied when tied with less than two minutes to go, two minutes to go, he has zero touchdowns and five interceptions. Uh, two interceptions. So I'm sorry in his career, his quarterback rating is 39.3. When tied with less than four minutes to go, uh, two interceptions, no touchdowns. His quarterback rating is 40, 44.5. When he's trailing with less than two minutes to go, six touchdowns to seven interceptions. When he's trailing with less than four minutes to go, he has 13 interceptions. This guy, clutch time is, I don't know how he got the name Matty Ice. And again, when his team had to have this win against a defense that hasn't stopped a nosebleed this season, he comes and he shits the bed. He can't even hit his, his all-pro wide receiver. He can't, he, he's throwing complete ducks, hitting the dirt behind his receivers that are open. Like, this is why the Falcons never take that next step. This is why. Because this guy is so inconsistent. Yo, I don't know how you could say they don't take the next step. They were they were in the Super Bowl two years I ago. I don't know how like, many times I have to repeat myself. That was under a offensive coordinator that could make him good. That was a Shanahan-led team. That's why. Before he sucked, after he sucks. No, I don't want to say suck. I don't want to say suck. Because he is overrated. Suck. Extremely pedestrian. And it's, a, again, on display. I think you're you're running with these numbers a little too hard, though. <laughs> what, do, what do you want me to run with? I've kind of given up on this take. Bro, I, I mean, you were silent the last two weeks. I mean, he yeah. put he put together a couple good games at home. Okay, so he has one bad game, and then you're like, yo, oh my god. Well, because yeah, he, t- it's t- been t- both games on the road, and not for nothing, the team's lost. He's been losing. Okay. And you could blame a lot of that on the defense, sure. You gave up forty-one, but it's Who the fuck wins to. when you give up. But 41? it's those last, it's those last drives. But bro, it's the same reason why also, people don't like Romo. But but Tim, also when you have a team that has Freeman and Coleman in the backfield, you can rely on that a little bit to help open up your pass game. When you fucking you're down, fucking whatever the hell it was, twenty-seven to ten, you have no choice but to pass the ball, and everyone knows that. Yo, 374 yards, five touchdowns against the Saints. They gave up 40. And then the same shit with the Bengals, 419 and three touchdowns. It's like, dude, you, you can't. They have five guys that they expected to be starters on their defense on IR. Those, I are, think those are home games. Nothing. No, but okay. It doesn't matter. Like, it does matter. Why? Because he, because of what I just said. No, but, but I'm saying like why? You're like holding on to these numbers. But just give it the eye test, bro. Like, what do you what do you Let's say? The, how many times did he miss an open receiver? Last how game? is he overrated? Where are we rating him? You're rating him as someone who could lead a team to a Super Bowl victory. Of course, or an he above can. average quarterback. Yes, he is. No, you think he's a below average quarterback? I think he's an he's average, a bottom fifteen mon- quarterback. I think he's an average mundane quarterback. I'd put him right at fifteen. You're fucking nuts. I'm not nuts. Yeah. Yo, he I'm could, gonna I'm gonna need you to to pick up a pen and paper. He could and write down fourteen quarterbacks. You take over him. And I guarantee I disagree with like eight. I mean, I'll, I'll do minimal. that later when I could. When I could yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, but there's a, here's another example where he had the, all the weapons that he needed and he shit the bed against the, uh, in a game where they needed to win. If they were two and three right now instead of three and two, I mean, four and one, this season's looking completely different for them. 
But they're basically eliminated at this point. So when he has a good year, you give it to the coach. When he has a bad year, you blame it on him. Why couldn't that be the scheme? Why couldn't it be the coach? Why not? Good top 10 quarterbacks? Doesn't matter who's coaching them. Oh, here we go. You got an answer for everything. You just won't give him his credit. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, after a game like that, he doesn't deserve nothing. Okay. And all those so, people, so next week, people, if he throws five touchdowns and no interceptions, what can I do? Come in here and piss on your foot? I, guarant- no I guarantee you he doesn't if he's on the road. It's the inconsistency of he can throw five touchdowns in one game and then next game look like he never threw a ball before. He's, he was throwing ducks. In the first two weeks of the season, he threw ducks. Ducks. Floaters. Peyton Manning threw ducks his whole career. Nah, Peyton Manning did not throw ducks his he whole did. career. He did. Peyton Manning consistently demolished everyone with ducks, though. Are he ducks? Doesn't I mean if he? That's it's still a consistent demo, demolition. Whatever. I was gonna say demolition. Demolition. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next game because I'm gonna get sick. But uh, hold on, let me just say. Also, we didn't talk about the Steelers, but uh, Antonio Brown has a game six catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. That was late. That and, was all late. Yeah, and James Connor, Connor though Connor. was the one. James Connor. He had 110 yards, two touchdowns early. About time. Yo, if you look at the every game that the Falcons have played a running back, that guy has gone ape shit on them. They cannot stop a running back out the backfield if their life depended on it, and it gets worse and worse by the week because it was bad. It was a bad defense that you wanted to target running backs with when they had Deion Jones and Keanu Neal and Allen, and now they don't even have those guys, so it gets worse and worse. James James Conner was the key to this game. When the Steelers run the ball like that, they're a completely different offense. He's catching the ball too. He has seventy five yards. Yeah, that's now they're now they're saying that if he keeps up this production that it might be a committee backfield when uh Bell gets there. Get the fuck out of here. I wouldn't even be surprised if Bell is the second like third down back. Mm, nah, Yo. I wouldn't be surprised. That uh, was hotter than the fucking Matt Ryan. Yeah, shit. You're out of control. Yo, Mike Tomlin? No, nah, I'm just I'm just I'm just seeing saying what I heard on Roto World. I, I think that Bell takes it maybe like after game one. I don't know about that. I don't know. Look, a a pretty big hole just opened in Philadelphia that Le'Veon Bell would fit into pretty nicely. Please, God, no. Um, <laughs> move on to the next game. We got the Browns uh, beating the Ravens 12-9. to Exciting. Shout out to Baker <laughs> Mayfield throwing a 340. Yeah, he was slinging it. He was slinging it. I like that they're letting him throw. He's making those rookie interceptions right now. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, gotta let, get, let him, get him out of the system. That Rashard Higgins touchdown was a little fucking weird, fucking wide open. I don't know what the hell happened on the Ravens' side on that. The best, the best moment of this game is when the game ended. Hugh Jackson put up two in the air. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really think he didn't know that the game ended. Like, I don't think he did he, either. He really, he, he, I don't know what the two meant. But two, there was two. Up, there was two seconds left on the clock. He was telling everyone to get back on the sideline. Meanwhile, the game ended, yo, and this guy is a head coach. Yeah. In, I don't know. Maybe it's because they got their second win or some shit, but that was I found that pretty funny. I don't know what he thought like the game would keep going because there's still time left on the clock. That's what I swear he was referencing because he kept waving everyone off the field like, yo, there's two seconds left. My man doesn't know that after the first possession, that next score wins. It's, it's funny because uh, the Browns for so many years had so many breaks go the opposite way and break the opposite way. There was a couple of spots in this game where the Ravens, if they would have just, it was a game of inches. If they could have converted on some of these things, they could have re- easily taken control of this game. Uh, specifically, one big one, Michael Crabtree gets hit in the right in the hands in the in the end zone, drops the ball. Uh, they end up not scoring on that drive. So uh, 
that's that's one of those things that in the past the Browns they that, that shit goes against them. Now they're getting those breaks. Uh, I think what you get out of this game is that the Browns' defense is for real. Uh, not no real rhythm was ever found by the Ravens, and this is a Ravens offense that's been pretty good this season uh, so far, putting up a lot of points, putting up a lot of points specifically through the air. Um, they shut down Michael Crabtree, like I said. They shut down John Brown, who's been killing teams. Uh, Buck Allen didn't do much damage out of the backfield. Uh, Alex Collins almost only had 59 yards rushing. So a uh, great job by this Browns defense who continues to show week in and week out that they're the real deal. Yo, Denzel Ward is amazing. Word. Yeah. That guy is – he's starting to get me nervous on this uh, Derwin James proposition that I've laid. Right, boss? Don't celebrate after a couple of weeks. I'd... Yeah. No, only you can. Nobody else. Do you know what's funny? Word. Everyone killed him for not taking Bradley Chubb. As of right now, I, I know it's only five weeks. Denzel Ward, opposite carrot sign. I mean, say opposite like, carrot sign? Yeah, you know, Jesus, greater than sign. Carrot. Yeah, not carrot. Greater than oh, sign. Wow. I didn't even Bradley know Chubb. what that meant. I don't even know. Jesus Christ. Carrot. Got it? No, carrot goes on top, though, I think. Yes, no. that's why I said, like, sideways carrot. Okay. Yeah. Whatever, greater than sign. I right, dogs? Yeah, being an adult, this is greater than sign, all right? Uh, <laughs> next game, Bengals uh, beat up the beat the Dolphins 27-17. to 27-0 run. Ugh. Another, another game where it's just like, dude, do you want to win at all? They're up. The Dolphins completely blew the game. They're up 17-3 going into the fourth quarter. Then, th- then they ended the game with a three and out, and then three straight drives with turnovers. To end the game. Two fumble returns for a TD. Up interception. Disgusting. Absolutely gross. And then the Bengals, all they need is a little momentum. That team is, once they get momentum, they're scary. Because they got a lot of talent. And AJ, and Dalton's playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, well, he's got another guy besides AJ Green now. Yeah, there's just nothing going on for the Dolphins right now. Particularly on offense. Yeah. Like, it's just Jakeem Grant, big play, or... Nothing really. I mean, I kind of expect them more out of Kenny Stills, you know, take on the number one receiver role. There's nothing there besides Albert Wilson and who? Jakeem Grant. Danny Amendola they brought in. He hasn't done much. They haven't really utilized him out of the slot properly. And Kenny and Drake apparently can't run the football anymore. They're using Frank Gore's out touching him. So there's a ton of problems there. And the defense, which we all thought was a good unit, got lit up last week by New England, division rival. And now. I know they were ahead 17-3, and they did have a good, you know, first three quarters of the game, but they really fell apart. I shouldn't say they fell apart because they were starting in, you know, bad field position due to the turnovers, but they were giving up points. So it, I don't know what's going on with the Dolphins right now. 3-0 and start, two losses in a row, bad losses when you look at, you know, what was at stake last week in New England with a chance to kind of bolster that three-game uh, division lead to a three-game lead, and now this one up 17 nothing. So... A lot of problems right now with Miami. Yeah. Do you know what's the, the worst part? You got an offense that's sputtering like this. And you have a guy in Kenyon Drake that honestly, every time he gets the ball, he does good things with it. No. And you continue. What do you mean no? Bro, he hasn't done any good things this year. He has no opportunities. He can't run the ball when he gets to his opportunities. Dude, he's had no opportunities. I think he's had like six carries at most. Like they're not giving him the chance. You're, it, how is Frank Gore getting double the amount of carries? Frank Gore hasn't looked terrible. Yeah, but he, nah, he's he's getting what boss means is like he's getting care. Like he's had a fourteen carry game, he's had an eleven carry game, and he's not really doing anything with it. 
What those were the first two games of the season. Yeah. All right. So what has he gotten since then? He's gotten yeah. nothing. He's he hasn't seen the ball at all. Against the Patriots, he ran the ball three times. Yeah, they got game scripted out of that though. All right. Then the, what about in the passing game? They're not doing anything on offense. They don't hit him in the passing game either. One for for thirteen in the passing game. This is your most dynamic player on offense. Easily, easily. He had six. He had. Six carries for 46 yards, that's a 7.7 yards per carry. He was the long reception on the day. Yeah, 20-yard catch in the end zone. That was, that was the, the first thing he's done all season. That was the long reception of the day. This is the first time. Like, How, how many times does, does you, do you have to see this guy perform? All he, all he did was perform last year. Why he doesn't get the ball more, I just it's beyond my comprehension. I don't know. Um, all right, next game we got Chiefs beat the Jaguars 30-14. to 14. Blake Bottles throws four picks. Blake Ugh. Bortles, really. Blake Bortles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mahomes, Mahomes, no touchdown for the first time this year. And two picks. I, I, yeah, but I still feel like he was... He was very, like, solid, though, man. Like, he picked up a lot of third downs, too. Got moving on the ground as well. I like yeah. He's he's so fun to watch. Completed passes to nine different players. At least nine different players in the Chiefs had at least ten yards from scrimmage. He also Tra- ran one in. Ran one in. Travis helped Kelsey is completely unguardable. <laughs> he he threw the ball thirty eight times. They ran the ball thirty times. They snapped the ball sixty eight times. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a crazy offense. Now a lot of that has to do with the fact that Blake Bortles looks like a young child. Mike Lombardi calls Blake Bortles the great equalizer <laughs> because he's the only thing keeping the Jaguars from being the most dominant team in the AFC. It's true. And I mean. like he just dropped the ball on one of the sacks. That the the play where he threw the interception off the guy's head, he like squared up and put his legs together before he threw that ball. Like footwork you see a 12-year-old do. Like you got to get rid of that 12 footwork when you're 12. The thing is he was pretty good throughout the game. Like, he was dropping some dimes, but it's just the inconsistency again. The, they lost the game. That that Jags defense played well enough to win against the I mean, team that's, that's the case. I mean, that's the case in all their losses, though. It's like the defense always, for the most part, plays well, but it's just that they can't muster anything up on, on offense. Yeah. It's, against this team, too? Ugh. Um, all right, next game we got Chargers beating the Raiders twenty six to ten. Uh, the best, the best. Uh, well, the funniest thing in this game was back in like May. Uh, Derek Carr came out and said, "Yo, if we're ever in a first and goal on the one, I'm giving it to Lynch." <laughs> Lo and behold, it's like second and goal from the one. They don't give it to Lynch. He throws a pick. And then you see Lynch as they're making the return, and he gets tackled. He takes his helmet off and like chucks it. Yeah, Derek Carr's another one that makes a mistake like that once a game, and just like a head scratching mistake. Just like what the fuck are you thinking, guy? Yeah, it's the dur play. Right, right. <laughs> At least one dur. I mean, my my summary of this this game is the Raiders are bad. Yeah, they are bad. That's my summary of this game. They're yeah. bad. And, and they really broke the bank for John Gruden. I'm like, was that really the right move for a franchise? You know, once they decide to let Matt go, what direction are they even going in? Yeah, I don't they know. They bring in all these veterans. They're not competing. 
And like random. There's zero direction for this franchise except the fact that John Gruden's at the helm for 10 years. There's so many questions, like oh, so many players on this starting offense that are just confusing. Like Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin. Like your backfield is weird as hell. And then you bring in Martavius Bryant. Jordy. Jordy. Seth Roberts is there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. <sighs> Seth Roberts will forever be there. Yeah, he's going to be there forever. He's he just, has one game where it's like, yo, so he's got two catches, 80 yards, and three touchdowns. What's up, fuck? Facts, <laughs> two catches. Yo, by the way, Philip Rivers, incredibly efficient, 22 of 27, 339 yards, two touchdowns. Austin Eckler was getting in, in the game, too. This dude, I wish he was just like, I wish I was just in that fucking building just to be like, yo, are we playing this dude or not? Like, I just want him to be on my fancy squad so bad, but I can't decide. And I had him on his bench, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he took that one to the house. He's That's a good true. player, though, man. I like Austin Eckler. I feel like he's going to float around the league like a Darren Sproles type of player. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a really good scat back. The Raiders remind me Playmaker. Of, yeah, definitely. The Raiders remind me of the Knicks a little bit. Like, they had a great owner who bring a lot of wins to the franchise. And then that owner dies and leaves it to his son. And his son just kind of makes outrageous statements to the media and then tries to reach back to the past to recreate some success and fails. It's like the story of the Knicks. <laughs> For real. Yeah. R.I.P. James Dolan Sr. Jesus. Um, all right, cool. Now, the next game we have, the Vikings beat the Eagles 23-21. to Adam Thielen yeah. is the real deal. Bro, it's my MVP. Yo, he's nasty. We, I think it was like he was the first player in all five games, first five games to have 100 yards. Ever. Yeah. This guy's, this guy's lighting it up, man. Making plays. And Yo, and Kirk is throwing dimes too, man. Yo. Yo, that's why Kirk got paid. Yeah, Kirk is the real, bro. And he threw three or four dimes while he was like getting hit and falling backwards. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Really good. I, but I think this game, again, fell into that same category of more than the Vikings won this game, which they did a lot of things to win this game. But one thing that they missed out was that Philadelphia did well was on third downs and in the red zone, Philadelphia really tightened up. And they didn't allow touchdowns and they didn't allow third down conversions. The Eagles beat themselves. Three big drops on third down that would have extended plays. Two by Alshon Jeffrey. One by Wendell Smallwood. Wendell Smallwood, something that Joe Buck made very clear was Wendell, not Wendell. Um, Jay Ajay, unforced fumble right in the red zone, just dropped it. Uh, they were two for nine on third down. That offense isn't in rhythm yet. Um, I think the better days are to come for the Eagles, but right now that offense looks like it's lost. It's scary, too. I think better days are come for the Vikings once they get a running game going with Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's been out with that nursing and injury. And Lat Murray, I mean, he's just Lat Murray. Like, there's nothing special there. And it's why. I know Mike Zimmer has harped on, like, yo, we don't want to be the, the team that throws the most in the league, which they were coming into this week. And then here they go again with another 37 attempts from Kirk Cousins. So I think they're just waiting on Dalvin Cook to come back and, and really start running a little more. Although, I mean, there's no problem with Kirk throwing it 30 for 37. So he's spreading it out. His weapons are super dynamic with just Stefan Diggs and Thielen, the change up there. And even he trusted Laquan Treadwell. I remember on a big third down to – he hit him short. Laquan Trodwell made a play to get to the sticks. So, I mean, it's it's kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Their defense, after we talked about that being a you know a weak point, made some plays. Like Tim said, the Ajay fumble, they came up with that. So they kind of buckled down here against a, a, what everyone thinks is a good Eagles team on the road. Yo, it's gonna take uh, it's gonna take a couple more weeks for this offense to really get clicking in uh, Philadelphia. I think Ertz when. Uh, 
10 catches for a buck 10 and a touchdown. He got his boy back, so he'll be flourishing going forward. But I don't know, man. I feel like I was never the biggest Alshon guy. And, like, Aguilar is all right. I feel like they miss a home run threat to really take the top off of defense. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Let's get to the next game. Uh, Rams beat the Seahawks 33-31. to Got a little shaky here. I thought uh, Good game. the Rams were going to get their first loss. Jared Goff didn't have the best game in the world, but luckily Todd Gurley had three touchdowns, I think, for the second time this year. Um. Yeah, fucking Rams, five and zero. I want to say first, thank you, Todd Gurley, for allowing me to completely dominate the San Diego Studios Fantasy League. Um, I appreciate that very much. Secondly, um, Seattle may have found the formula to beat the Rams in this loss. I think the formula is you have to run the ball extremely efficiently, and that's exactly what they did. Chris Carson and Mike Davis went for 184 yards on 31 carries, and then you have to play action deep ball, and you have to take advantage of the aggressiveness that the secondary plays with because there is room over the top if they if they play with that aggressiveness. The only problem is there are only few teams in the league that could do that, that could run the ball so effectively and then hit you with a play action. The Patriots come to mind. The Chiefs come to mind. Who else? Who else comes to mind that could run the ball that effectively and then hit play actions over the top with effective... What, maybe if Dalvin Cook comes back healthy... Yeah. But that seems like the the formula to beat the Rams. The only problem is that formula is only the ingredients to that formula only stands in a few places. But um, I mean, the Rams could definitely beat you like that too, though. Yeah, but I, I mean, the Rams can't beat the Rams. <laughs> oh yeah, right. fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, Seattle's probably better than we thought, though. Uh, the defense did a good job. Uh, I don't think so. I don't like Seattle. I don't know, man. Their defense played well. Uh, they they stepped up against Gurley. Got stuffed a couple times at the goal line. Um, now you, there's only so much you could do, but they picked off Goff twice. One of them was a hail mary, but they still picked him off twice. Mm-hmm. They made some big stops. I think Seattle's a little better than we originally thought. I, don't know. I think Boss had said that they were going to be like a nine win team. No. Yeah, I like Seattle we're, going into the year. Yeah, I remember you were the highest on on Seattle going in, but yo, I think the like, uh, remember a couple of years ago, the Saints played the um, the Raiders, and like the Raiders went for two, and they got it, and yeah. that kind of like jump started their whole season. And that then, was like, like a week one game. Yeah, and then what was uh, Del Rio? It was like Blackjack Del Rio and shit, and then that that was like their swagger. And I think when the Rams when the Rams went for that fourth down play and they converted it. It's like, yo, man, we have this kind of offense. Like, we're going to spread the field, even though we don't have Cup and Cooks out there right now because both guys left with head injuries. And we're going to, if we can't pick up a yard with this high powered offense in this scheme, then we shouldn't, we shouldn't be out there. The Rams have also been historically great. Only five teams in NFL history have had, have opened the season with five straight 30 yard games the 07 and 11 Patriots. The 13, 30, point. 30 points, excuse me. Did I say 30 yards? Yeah. 30 point games. Yeah. <laughs> 30 yard games would be a historic on the other level. Uh, the 07 and 11 Patriots, the 13 Broncos of Peyton Manning, and the greatest show on turf Rams. Mm. That's it. Yeah, my only concern with the Rams is both their cornerbacks are hobbled, and we saw Marcus Peters. I know Marcus Peters makes some big plays, 
but he also gives up some big plays. And he got toasted by Ty Locke by like a good five to eight yards. On a play action where he was being too aggressive in the box. It wasn't even close. He's known for that, though, to be he aggressive. Is. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he, he makes big plays that, you know, kind of, I guess, evens it out. But And when and when Talib gets back, Talib Kweli, when mm-hmm. he is back, it's a wrap. Oh, my God. Because he's aggressive, too. So if there's one way you can beat the Rams, it's like using their aggressiveness against them. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> You're not very excited about that strategy, Joe. I'm just saying. I mean, dude, the Rams are nasty. Like, we're pointing out, like, yo, just hope that you Super can score nitpicky. a 60-yard touchdown against them and you'll Super be fine. Nitpicky. Um, But, yeah, I mean, something like that. It's like, yo, the Seahawks, like, had their best day, 31 points, and still lost against the Rams. So, like, they're just a great team, man. They're just great. I don't think that it's there's one answer to – how you're going to beat them, I think. I think you're going to have to play perfect. Because even when they played shitty, they still won. Um, all right, next game we got the Cardinals beating the 49ers 28-18. Josh yeah. Rosen completed 10 passes. Awesome, dude. <laughs> Christian I mean, Kirk got into the mix. Darnold, Darnold completed 10 passes too. Yeah, I know. And they had around the same amount of... Passing yards, pretty much. I mean, Darnold beat him by like twenty something yards. Yeah. But the real, the real story is my boy Christian Kirk running wild that deep bomb to start off the game. I, I loved him ever since college. Apparently, him and uh, Josh Rosen at camp shared a bunk bed. So hashtag team bunks, <laughs> and uh, they got David Johnson going. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's going, but Not he really. only had seventy one total yards, but he found the end zone is what I really wanted to say. Yeah, he was in the end zone twice. But, I mean, Never. also, I will say, to Josh Rosen's defense, there were a lot of drops in this game. A lot of players, even Larry Fitzgerald dropped a ball. I mean, it was tough. There was a guy on him, but, like. Larry's yeah. had the, the dropsies. He dropped three balls last game, too. I He's mean, not used to his ball coming out of Josh Rosen's hand. I don't know. Larry been in the league since Eli, bro. He's shot, too. Yeah. C.J. Beathard played okay. Uh, put up some gaudy numbers, three forty nine through the air, fifty on fifty four attempts. Man, can we can we get can we pour one out for Matt Breida, man? Those dudes always getting banged up and like somehow it's like not serious. It's crazy because yo, he's really good. He continues to just torch every time he gets the ball. In the passing game, yeah, but in between the tackles, he's his game has really developed this year. Um, and he went down in the middle of the game, and you saw their offense kind of sputter without him. So just pour one out for Matt Breida. I see you, Matt. I mean, he'll probably be back in a couple weeks. He didn't die. We'll see. We'll see. It's, it's gonna, he's he's going to be out a month, it says, it's right gonna, now. He's getting an MRI and a sprained ankle. so it's, It came back as a mild sprain. It could it could be anything. Well, a sprain is a sprain, though. A mild sprain. It came back already. They already did the MRI. Per ESPN, Tim, you should use ESPN instead of Yahoo. You know what I'm saying? Fuck Yahoo. <laughs> MRI reveals mid-ankle sprain for 49ers running back Matt Breida. Per report. Yep. Um... Oh, shit. I almost just read the wrong thing. Um, all right. Now, the last game that we have on the slate before the Monday night game, which is happening tonight. Uh, the Texans beating Dallas in OT 19-16. to The battle Yo, is good Texas. Zeke could not do shit. Yo, if I'm the owner of the Texans, I'm, I'm going into a room with uh, Deshaun Watson, and I'm playing Russell Wilson highlights and being like, yo, that's how you run. Yo, he got leveled. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable 
how dumb coaching staffs are. How do you have this guy running where, like, yo, last week against the Colts in the second half is where he finally looked like the, the, the Deshaun Watson that took the league by storm last year. And you're having him run these sweeps where, dude, defenses can't hit a quarterback. So when he becomes a runner, he's no longer a quarterback. And he was getting tattooed by Jalen Smith and uh, Vander Esch. And it's, yo, you're talking about bone-crushing hits. And it's like, yo, how do you just, do you want Brandon Whedon to start? Because that's your backup. And we know how bad that gets. Like, come on, man. I mean, you can only say so much about that because in the press conference after the game, Hopkins, I mean, uh, Watson said, hey, you know, this is how I run. Uh, there's just nothing you can do about it. I'm going to I'm gonna do this. I play the game 100% hard. This is why he reminds me of Vince Young so much, this guy, man. Just kind of a flash in the pan kind of thing because also you're behind that offensive line who continues to be the worst offensive line in the history of football and you hold the ball for that long. Bad things are going to happen. And bad things have been happening. They've, they've been getting bailed out because of their stretch of games to open the season. They they got the Giants, who they ended up losing to, Colts, Cowboys, and Bills all in a row. And then after the Jaguars, they got the Dolphins and Broncos. They're not playing a hard schedule. And they're getting bailed out by this, by this easy schedule that they have. But Deshaun Watson is going to end up not playing in these games if he keeps doing this. Yeah, that's the only thing. Like, yo, you got it. Their their schedule to start the year was hard, but it does get easy. Like Tim Tim just rattled off a lot of those games that we thought would be hard aren't as hard as we thought they would be. So it's actually even easier now. And and like, yo, this kid, uh, Kiki Kuti, he's Q-T. balling out at Qt Qt. Uh, look at Tim correcting me on the name. Look at this. I had him on the last uh, name. Last I had him name. on the waiver wave last week. That's why. <laughs> he, uh, yo, that's another weapon that Watson is really comfortable with, right? He, I think he has like 170 yards in two games, and uh, you know he also caught an end around too. So between Hopkins and Fuller, that had a really really quiet game. He finally doesn't score a touchdown with Watson. And yo, as as someone that's been. Uh, team Lamar Miller. Alfred Blue looks like the better running back of the two. He had 119 total yards. And, yo, this is a pretty good offense. Ryan Griffin even got going, too, with these additions. I think, watch out. Watch out for the Texans. I I wasn't ready to sell my stock yet because of how good the schedule was going forward. Yeah. When's the Texans bye week? Is it next week? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't I don't see them Not, on here. No, no, no. Let's play the Bills next week. No, but they don't have this in like week order. It'll just say, what was yesterday's date? The, the 7th. 7th. Oh, yeah. It's not next week. Deonta Foreman is eligible to come off the IR, the pup list, after week 6. And all signs point to him being ready. If you're going to have a fantasy team, add him now. I mean, gave the ball to Alfred Blue 20 times. He's got eight catches. Seems like a, hey, yo, a guy to have. Yeah, that guy. Yo, Lamar, off you go. Uh, Texans, week 10, they have a bye week. Yeah, it's like first week in November. Yeah. Word. All right, cool. Well, uh, that's our recap. Uh, we're going to go watch the Monday Night Football game right now. I'll let you know how that goes. Record the waiver wave coming out tomorrow at 11 a.m. Yeah, well, yeah, the Yankee game is on as well, which we will have that up on the TV as well. Um, but, yeah, Tim, where can they find you? At Timber Chop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real. 
real frisky. The waiver wave comes out on YouTube, uh, veteransminimum.com slash YouTube. <laughs> YouTube.com slash veteransminimum, I mean. Um, uh, yeah, every Tuesday at 11 a.m., giving you enough time, all you guys on the West Coast, all you guys in the East Coast, to watch it and then pick up your guys. Not to flex or anything, but I am currently dominating on my fantasy league, so come see me, bro. Oh, and brotofantasy.com for any fantasy advice as well. Uh, Nick? Uh, at the Lamb Show on Twitter, if you guys could do me a favor, fans of the show, can you just go and retweet the, the tweet that I have pinned on my profile? I'm trying to get on Bill Simmons' show. I'm shooting my shot, Cousin Sal, um, with the Jared Goff MVP. If you go and check out that tweet, I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, that's the only thing that I ask of you guys. Thank you very much. Balls. At Individual27 on Twitter and the Grand. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Joe Sanigato and go follow the show at Veterans Minimum and our Instagram page at Veterans underscore Minimum. And yeah, that is all. See you guys next time. Peace. So good. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.